homage to the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha. A question has been asked by one of our Kalinamitta and the question is, could you please tell me if I'm misleading myself if I think of Dukkha, the second characteristic of conditioned existence, as incomplete or never resolved, instead of stressful or suffering? I ask because Dukkha implies there is something or someone experiencing stress or suffering the way I see it. But since conditions are impersonal, how is Dukkha to be understood in this context? This question is an important one in the sense we often try to translate and find the meaning behind this word Dukkha. And it's a very important word because fundamentally the core teachings of the Buddha around this word Dukkha, the first noble truth of Dukkha, as well as this second characteristic of conditioned existence when you think about Anicca, Dukkha, Anatta. What is good is that in the question itself, there is an awareness or an understanding that it is possible to distort the meaning. And if we distort the meaning, the implication is that we get the wrong view about the Buddha's teaching. And so it's a very good question, the way it's been framed and the way it's been asked. When we look at Dhamma, the Buddha often says, Dhamma that is good in the beginning, good in the middle and good in the end, and with the correct meaning and phrasing. And so in order to answer this question, to ensure we are not distorting the meaning, whichever way we translate it and therefore understand it, that we look into the core teachings of the Buddha, then we can see whether we get the true meaning or the correct meaning from the phrasing in the Buddha's teachings. As we already know, Dukkha is commonly translated as suffering, pain, discomfort, discontent and stressful. It is a difficult Pali word to translate and it is often used in conjunction with sukha, which is translated as happiness, pleasure and contentment. From a translation perspective, it's good to ensure that whatever we use or apply fits with the Buddha's intended phrasing and meaning. So we first look at the application to the first noble truth of dukkha. The Buddha says, birth is dukkha, aging is dukkha, sickness is dukkha, death is dukkha, sorrow, lamentation, pain, sadness and despair are dukkha, union with what is displeasing is dukkha, Separation from what is pleasing is dukkha. Not getting what one wants is dukkha. In brief, the five aggregates subject to clinging are dukkha. If we were to apply incomplete or unresolved, as the person has asked, the question to ask is, does this fit with the Buddha's intended phrasing and meaning in this definition of the first noble truth of dukkha? So you would apply birth is incomplete or unresolved. Aging is incomplete or unresolved. Sickness is incomplete or unresolved. Death is incomplete or unresolved. Sorrow, lamentation, pain, sadness and despair are incomplete or unresolved. Union with what is displeasing is incomplete or unresolved. Separation from what is pleasing is incomplete or unresolved. Not getting what one wants is incomplete or unresolved. In brief, the five aggregates subject to clinging are incomplete or unresolved. Now, when you look at that application and those particular words, if you use them, you can see that it may apply to some, but not all. And it may certainly distort the Buddha's intended phrasing and meaning, which is not the best outcome. So it's good to be cautious in applying these words. And at the same time, when we look at the first noble truth of suffering, the really fundamental thing is to look at the larger predicament. That is what the Buddha is pointing to. The larger predicament of if we are born, we are subject to all these things, aging, sickness and death. 
And what follows or ensues is sorrow, lamentation, pain, sadness, and despair. And ultimately, we are united with what is displeasing, having to be separated from what is pleasing. And ultimately, we don't get what we want, which is to live without aging, sickness, or death, without any dukkha. And that is not what we get. So when we cling to the five aggregates, all we can expect from this conditioned existence is dukkha. So in that context, when you look at the bigger predicament, your answer is really there. Which words are helping you to see that first noble truth? We can also look at the application to the teaching of the Buddha on corruptions or perversions in the mind, vipalasa. And this is the Vipalasa Sutta, Anguttara chapter 4, discourse number 49. In this teaching, the Buddha says, Sentient beings are ruined by wrong view, deranged out of their mind, when they perceive impermanence as permanence, suffering as happiness, not self as self, and ugliness as beauty. This is one of the perversions when we take dukkha as sukha. So if we use the words incomplete or unresolved, when we crave sukha, what we end up with is incomplete or unresolved. Does that fit? Now, what the Buddha is really saying is that when we crave sukha, pleasure or happiness, what we really end up with is pain and suffering. And this is due to the bigger predicament, what we went through just before. If we use the words incomplete or unresolved, this doesn't quite fit here. It distorts or blocks the true meaning. So what we must do is really to see dukkha as dukkha, suffering as suffering. Does that work when we say incomplete as incomplete, unresolved as unresolved? It's a bit vague in the sense that in the larger predicament, if we don't understand this transmigration from birth to birth, then what we continually experience is genuinely pain. It's genuinely suffering. If we only see it as incomplete or unresolved, it doesn't quite hit the mark. Another way of looking is to look through the lens of the three kinds of dukkha that the Buddha teaches. And this is where he looks at agreeable object, disagreeable object, and neither agreeable nor disagreeable object. This is where you run into some difficulty because the Buddha in this instance talks about the three types of sense contact that arise, the three kinds of feeling that arises, and therefore the three kinds of dukkha. So when you look at the bottom line, which is this different kinds of dukkha, vipranama dukkha, painfulness in change is the common translation. And what you understand if you go through this teaching is even if you take an agreeable object, no matter what it is, the sense contact starts as pleasant. You get the pleasant feeling or experience from it. But ultimately, due to the change, you experience dukkha. So this could be eating a piece of chocolate cake. The first sense contact is pleasant, but then you get that pleasant feeling or experience. But when that changes, such as you've finished it or there's none left, you experience this vipranama dukkha, so painfulness in change. Now, if you apply the words incomplete or unresolved, it doesn't make sense. So non-resolution in change, incompleteness in change, doesn't make sense. Now, if you take the disagreeable object, say you meet with someone you don't like, the sense contact is dukkha, it's painful. It's not incomplete or unresolved. You get the dukkha feeling, so the feeling is painful. Now, if you apply that, that it is unresolved or incomplete, that doesn't make sense. 
and the end result is painfulness in pain, dukkha dukkata. If you translate that as the incompleteness in being incomplete or the non-resolution in it not being resolved, it doesn't make sense. And then the last one is neither agreeable nor disagreeable object. The sense contact is neither dukkha or sukha and the experience or the feeling is neither dukkha nor sukha and you get this sankhara dukkata. The common translation is painfulness in construction. So non-resolution in construction, incompleteness in construction also doesn't make sense. So in this particular application, that doesn't make sense because when you put an example in, it needs to work through and you really need to see what the Buddha actually means by that. When you develop certain concentration, the sense contact is neither painful nor pleasant and there is neither painful nor pleasant feeling. There is just stillness, like emptiness. And what you experience later on is the painfulness in construction when it starts to slide. There is nothing incomplete or unresolved there in that. The better definition or translation is this painfulness in construction. You get the true meaning behind it. So again, you can see when you start to try and fit these words into application directly into the meaning of what the Buddha says in his teaching, you see how it doesn't work. If you reference where the Buddha phrases these three characteristics, there's two instances that we can look at. The first is the Dukkha Sutta in Sanyutta Nikaya chapter 46, discourse number 72, and the Anatta Sutta, which is Sanyutta Nikaya chapter 46, discourse number 73. And what is really important to understand is when we look at these three characteristics, it is to make sure that we understand the sequence of instruction. So in the first instance, the Buddha says, when the perception of dukkha or suffering in impermanence is developed and cultivated, it's very fruitful and beneficial. What we're meant to understand is that there is dukkha in what is impermanent. How we understand this is our predicament, as we've said before, is with birth comes old age, sickness and death, and the whole mass of dukkha. We continually crave sukha, as we've said before, but we can't overcome this overall bigger predicament. That is where our corruption lies. Any sukha we experience is fleeting and subject to change. Essentially, there is no long-lasting sukha in samsara, just this endless cycle of dukkha. We ultimately never get what we want. And then the Buddha says, when the perception of not-self or non-self or not-me and mine in suffering is developed and cultivated, it's very fruitful and beneficial. So when you understand the first part, the perception of suffering in impermanence, then you recognize or understand that you cannot take anything as me and mine or self in that which results in dukkha. And what that really means is because all conditioned phenomena is subject to change and is death bound, it feels personal at the level of taking it as me and mine or self when our ignorance is active. That is where the corruption lies. But what is dukkha is not fitting, not worth taking as me and mine or self. So this is very profound Dhamma. Quite often, the first noble truth of suffering, we always say that we need to look at it from the bigger context, the bigger picture, and also that this predicament is of a universal nature. It's not personal dukkha, it's universal. But it's universal in what? In birth, old age, sickness and death, sorrow, lamentation, pain, sadness and despair. 
being united with what is not pleasing and being separated from what is pleasing and never getting what we want. So when you see that in terms of suffering and impermanence and then non-self in this suffering, then you really understand what the Buddha is talking about. This is something that is a very powerful meditation. Another common way that the Buddha teaches or explains the three characteristics is in a question and answer format in relation to either the aggregates, but also the sense bases. And so we have just the standard Q&A set out here. So in relation to form, the Buddha would ask, what do you think because is form permanent or impermanent? And the bhikkhu's answer, impermanent, venerable sir. And then the Buddha would say, is what is impermanent, suffering or happiness? And then the bhikkhu's would say, suffering, venerable sir. And then the Buddha would ask, is what is impermanent, suffering and subject to change, fit to be regarded thus? This is mine, this I am, this is myself. And the bhikkhu's would answer, no, venerable sir. What is important here is to ensure that you're not mixing up and coming to a muddled view about the three characteristics. The sequence of contemplation is the key here. And one of the guided meditations that looks specifically at this is a very powerful meditation called, Is It Worth Taking As Me and Mine? So this meditation we have as a guided meditation and also the explanation is also, how should we wisely contemplate? And this is the Silavanta Sutta, Sanyutta Nikaya chapter 22, discourse number 122. This will help to correct the view to ensure that you are understanding this Dhamma correctly. We can end our session here. Let's share the merit with all sentient beings. May all beings be happy and well. May all beings be free from suffering. Blessings of the Triple Gem. Wishing you all well. Peruan Saranai.